you know, the biggest thing that you need to remember is that as an expert witness, you are an advocate for your opinion and not an advocate for your client. So regardless of whether I'm representing the plaintiff, you know, being hired by the plaintiff or the defendant or the wife or the husband in the divorce, you know, that I'm still going to have the same opinion regardless of which side I'm on. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 38. And my guest today is Chrissy Powers, who is the founder of Powers Forensic Accounting, LLC. Chrissy's experience includes investigations involving diversion of corporate assets, fraud examination and investigation, forensic accounting and record reconstruction, damaging claims analysis and documentation, and providing a valuation of closely held businesses for purpose of divorce, estate, and purchase or sale. Additionally, she works with clients to strengthen their internal controls and management systems to deter fraudulent activity and asset diversion. She has testified in U.S. Bankruptcy Court, Civil Service Commission, and various Ohio Common Pleas courts and depositions. Our discussion focuses on her journey from staff, audit, and tax accountant to finding her passion for forensic accounting. As she states, she doesn't count the beans, she finds the hidden beans. We also discuss the opportunities and challenges of being an entrepreneur and how strong communication skills are essential for success. Before we get to the interview, Change Your Mindset is part of the C-Suite Radio family of podcasts. It's an honor and a privilege to be amongst some of the more prevalent business podcasts, such as The Hero Factor with Jeffrey Hazlett, Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken, and Keep Leading with Eddie Turner. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Also, you can now listen to this podcast on iHeartRadio. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. 
Now, let's get to the interview with Christy Powers. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guest today is a longtime friend who I haven't seen in a long time, uh, Chrissy Powers. And Chrissy, thank you for set, taking time out of your, I can imagine, hectic and busy day to spend some time with me on my podcast. Thanks for having me, Pete. I'm, um, I'm so excited for you because you, well, first, before I talk about that, I have to ask this question. You started your career the traditional way of public accounting you know, counting the beans and, 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 you know, doing that type of work. How did you, what made you, what was the driving force for you to say, you know what, I want to do something in the forensic accounting world. Was it one too many CSI episodes that you watched and said, you know, if they can do that on bodies, I'm sure I can do that on financial statements. Uh, I don't know if the CSI, CSI was even around then, but I did start my career the traditional public accounting doing tax and audit work. And um, like we all have read through the AICPA magazines, the newbie was sent out on uh, an engagement <laughs> where funds were missing and um, just so happened that one of the audit clients had had fraud occur uh, through cash. And I was tasked with uh, determining the dollar amounts and was like after that I was hooked on this uh, puzzle, if you will, as to find out how how people were stealing money and how much was taken. And uh, there was a lot in the news back then um, with Jesse Odie here in Franklin County back in 1998, 1999, where, where funds were misappropriated. Uh, so I just kind of got hooked and. Um, got through the CPA exam and transferred myself over to a firm that specialized in the forensic accounting so that I could grow that area and niche. And uh, as well as you have grown it because uh, you, you you left the firm and you had a partner and you guys went on your, out on your own, which is one, scary enough as it is. And, and, and two, because you don't have that you know, that, that, that paycheck every week and you've got to do the benefits and you got to do all that other stuff, but you, you grew that firm and, and, and looking on, and, and now that you're, as the beginning of this year, you went out on your own by yourself. Uh, I looked at your website and your list of clients are just phenomenal. I mean, the list, the list seemed to go on and on and on. Mostly it seemed like they're, they're, you're doing a lot of work for attorneys. Yeah, I would say that probably at least 90% of my referral source comes from the attorneys. Um, if I have a corporation that reaches out to me with fraud occurring, you know, we want to make sure legal counsel is involved. So we have that attorney client privilege, at least until I would be named as an expert in court. Um, so even if the corporation is engaging me, we get legal counsel involved so that we have that a, a attorney client privilege. And then uh, working through other CPA firms that don't have the specialty niche and want to keep their independence and keep that client as a tax client uh, or audit client. And then a lot of treasury management bankers, because um, they're looking at the financial statements and they'll have that face-to-face -face with the business owner. And the business owner may say to them, something just doesn't smell right. you know. So possibly those bankers are... are Saying, "Hey, speak to Chrissy. She, you know, Powers Forensics can help you." So, as you're describing that, I went, "Wait, you're you're not a stereotypical accountant." For for one, uh, you know, as you you said, and I'll let you give your tagline about the beans. 
<laughs> yes, most accountants count the hidden beans. I find the hidden beans. <laughs> so count the beans, I find the hidden beans. <laughs> yeah, she's she's looking for those hidden beans out there. But also, just dawned on me something else that in order to be as successful as you are, you said the R word, referral, which means that you have done one. It's my podcast. I can say this one hell of a job out there networking to find business. And that's something that those in, in the profession aren't the greatest at doing or they don't like talking to strangers. <laughs> yeah, some some accountants would prefer to sit at their desk and, and just crunch that tax return or crunch the numbers. But my forensic accounting work typically is not reoccurring. So for your traditional CPA, they go out and they land the audit, uh, you know, and they may have that audit for five, six, seven years before it goes back out for bid. I hopefully am only coming into your corporation to investigate the fraud that happened one time. Uh, we fix the problems with internal controls, and then hopefully you never need to find me again unless you're wanting to refer me to a friend at another organization. Um, so my type of work is non-reoccurring for the most part. Now, some of that will reoccur working with various law firms. However, um, once again, if it ends up in the courtroom, you know they want to use several different experts over the years and not continuously using the same individual so they don't give the appearance that that expert is in their pocket. Got it. So that takes, I mean... That takes a lot of work, and, and that takes because I when you said that I don't have that non-recurring, let's just put it in accounting <laughs> terms, cash flow, <laughs> and you've got to you've got to go out and find new business almost all the time. And, and to your point, you 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 you've developed a, a wonderful referral service because you do a lot of work with attorneys. You, you've got you've you're well positioned here in Central Ohio. Uh, with, with with accounting firms and knowing of your specialty and because you do a lot of uh, in the past you've done a lot of speaking at the Ohio Society of CPAs at conferences uh, I, I know on your website you've got a number of articles that you've written on the topic to help drive that business because you, you're an expert and, and you're an authority in this area but I would have to imagine because myself I have sleepless nights when I don't have because I don't a lot of times I don't have that non-recurring cash flow coming in. And, and and you're always trying to find new ways to position yourself and get, and get in front of potential prospects, potential attorneys, referral services that, that you can provide that expertise that they're looking for. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of speaking engagements, Columbus Bar Association. I've spoke for the Ohio Bar Association in the past. Uh, banks, uh, law firms, CPA firms coming in and speaking on continuing education. Just definitely got to be out and about and in, in continuing to uh, network. Yes, and, and you know I I love networking. I think it's a, it's a blast. Uh, but there's something in that word that it's not just easy because it, it has the word work. And it, and it does take a lot of work. So let's talk about the services that you provide. What I guess of your services, what is the more requested service? Well, that varies by year in the oh. economy. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, back in 2009, when we say, you know, we sort of went through a, a depression or a recession, if you will, 
the divorce world, uh, those cases were not as prevalent um, because people couldn't afford to maintain two households. You know, they were watching their their cash, if you will, just like you know the traditional accountant. On the reverse side, I saw a spike in uh, the fraud investigations because the corporations did layoffs. You know, they were watching where every penny was going. People started scrutinizing the financial statements, and then those were where some of the frauds were caught because somebody had taken the time to pay attention and, and, and look at those accounts. So it all depends on what's going on in the economy, um, you know. Interesting. So this is 2019. What is your your most requested service? Since we're not in a recession per se, they're talking about it, but we're not quite you know, we're not quite there yet. What are people coming to you for? All uh, right, now I have quite a few fraud investigations going on, a uh, handful of divorces, and some business interruption claims. So, uh, like the businesses, one of the owners has an accident, and the revenue stream isn't right where it was because they're not able to work within the business. So I've got to go through and look at what uh, the yardstick measurement was three to five years before the accident occurred and see how that affected the future revenue stream and put a calculation together for that. Interesting. Uh, so you do a lot, obviously do a lot of divorce uh, uh, as well as fraud related. What other services do you provide? Um, I work with receivers here in town. Some of that is because organizations go into bankruptcy and someone needs to come in and, and um, either wind the company down or keep it running. Or over the years, some of those receiverships have just been because two partners aren't seeing eye to eye. One gets locked out. So the court appoints a receiver to try to either continue the business and um, buy one of the owners out or sell it all together or just shut it down and make a distribution so that the two of them can part ways. I'll work in the bankruptcy arena. There's not been a lot of that with the economy doing well right now. So that's kind of, it's on the back burner, if you will. It's not real prevalent. So those are some of the areas that are where we get into and, and specialize in that. And you also mentioned that, and I... Prior to us recording this, I, I made this comment because she, Chrissy, you actually go to court and testify, and you say a lot of CPAs and and even ones who are non, uh, who are the accidental accountant. I don't think I would want to have that type of pressure to testify in a courtroom on a case, but but you take that on, and you go to court and you testify on behalf of of your client, and, and so that's gonna be a little bit nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah, it can be. Um, you know, the biggest thing that you need to remember is that as an expert witness, you are an advocate for your opinion and not an advocate for your client. So regardless of whether I'm representing the plaintiff, you know, being hired by the plaintiff or the defendant or the wife or the husband in the divorce, you know, that I'm still going to have the same opinion regardless of which side I'm on. Um, so, you know, that's sometimes you get put into a corner where you've got to reiterate and remind clients and or attorneys of, of that. But um, yeah, not everyone likes to, to go into the courtroom. You know, it just comes with time and lots of continuing education on how to handle those difficult questions and knowing how to respond to the aggressive 
attorney. <laughs> so I have to ask everybody. There's a starting point for everything. We, you know, I remember the first day I walked into Price Waterhouse as, as an accountant. Do you remember the first time that you went to court to testify? Yeah, that was a divorce case in Delaware County. Um, <laughs> I'd had some deposition testimony prior to that, but you know, definitely was a restless night until you know you had your first first chance, if you will. So when you got called to the stand, I imagine nerves were probably going in every which way, shape or form. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And it was a very um, well-known uh, attorney, you know, that was asking questions. Huh. <laughs> and, and, and apparently you did well because you went back and keep doing it more and you keep getting continuing education and getting better and better at, at that role. But I, that's, I don't think I could sleep the night before I, or, or maybe even the week before knowing that that's staring me in the face. That, that's, that's a, that's a skill set that many don't have. And I applaud you for uh, uh, taking that on head on and, 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 and doing as well as you have uh, being an expert witness. Thanks Pete. <laughs> but <clears throat> please don't ever call me for to be an expert witness. I, I'd be happy to help if there's anything I could help. <laughs> But when it comes to, so I don't mind. I don't mind speaking in public. <clears throat> I do that for a living. Uh, but my idea of public is not a, a courtroom. <laughs> like I said, you know, there's continuing education out there to prep you for that. Um, I read lots of materials published by the Seek Group. Um, you know, to prepare myself and then uh, the attorney that you're working for and the partner at the firm, you know, helps to get you ready for that first time, you know, until you lose your virgin stance, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so thinking about what you do and thinking about, <clears throat> you got an early start on this because uh, you said you started this, you know, back in uh, about around 2000, was it? That, that's about right. Oh, my first fraud investigation. In '98, so okay. you know, doing this for over 20 years, but at that time I wasn't 100%, you know, forensic accounting. So if we look at the profession today, and we still have the traditional services that are out there, but the way technology is having an impact, uh, and things that I'm reading, things that I'm hearing, that uh, there's a lot more people are beginning to specialize. That, that generalist approach in accounting seems to be withering away and, and, and people are looking to gain those credentials and, and specialize uh, and, and be that expert in that niche area. What advice would you give someone who's graduating from, let's say, the Ohio <laughs> Dominican University <laughs> <laughs> and with the, with the degree in accounting and let's say they pass the CPA exam, what advice would you give them as they matriculate into the accounting profession as it relates to niches in the accounting profession? Well, I think that, you know, having an audit and tax background definitely helped me because those are types of reports and records that I review and analyze on a regular basis for, for my different forensic accounting specialty areas. So definitely that background helped and I was able to build on that. But forensic accounting really wasn't offered in college back when, you know, now I'm dating myself back when <laughs> I went through school. So there are classes that they can take on data analytics and in uh, more law classes to understand uh, the laws that 
that get looked at in a lot of the forensic accounting classes. So those definitely would help them taking those when they were going through school. But when you get out, starting to get into uh, public accounting and working with a firm that offers the niche areas of the forensic accounting or litigation support um, so that even if they're in audit and can help when there's that overflow, because, you know, going into a boutique firm like myself, you know, definitely me being a smaller firm now, you know, I need somebody that has the experience versus someone straight out of college um, in that. So looking for a firm that they can get some experience in. Right. And, and, and I guess the, you, you made the point is whether you want to specialize in forensic accounting or business valuations or whatever, you still got to get the basics down and have a good solid knowledge of the basics from even actually from both sides, from the outer world and from the tax world, and then decide how you want to specialize or where that interest lies. And, and I think during that period of time, as they're building up the, the the knowledge base is to begin to take continuing education classes in those areas to see if something sparks, if, if there's some interest there, or it's like, you know, they sit through a business valuation class. That's what I want to do. And after a couple of business valuation classes, going, there's no way I want to do that. <laughs> and, they, and, and they have very little vested or invested at the time. And they beca- can begin to look at different areas. Or if they're lucky enough to get with a firm that has specialties to find themselves working in one of those specialties. Yeah. And then, you know, once you start getting those specialties and the alphabet soup after your last name, you know, you then have to worry about, am I meeting all my continuing education? Because all those credentials have different reporting periods. Some are 1231, some are on your anniversary date, you know, so that starts to to um, be sort of a headache to try to make sure you're in compliance with everything. You know, you're needing to, to track that. <laughs> oh yeah, and then then there's that too, uh, maintaining the, the compliance aspect of it and, and keeping track and 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 that in itself can be its own separate. I was gonna say headache, but I'll use the word challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but as I sit and think about. The forensic accounting, and, and so here's what I know uh, as it relates to divorces. Marriage is the leading cause of divorce. That is statistically proven. <laughs> and when when there's marriages, the, the, you know they say fifty percent of marriages end in divorce. And now I'm I I had a, a, a first wife, and we ended in divorce. My my second wife, we will make twenty four years here. Uh, by the time this episode goes live, I'll be, we have already celebrated twenty four years. So I don't think that's going to happen again. But well, congratulations it, <laughs> and happy anniversary. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, I, it depends. She gives me my performance review on my on her anniversary. So <laughs> to see if she wants to exercise an option on another year. Um, but but with, with the aspect, fraud, I don't think fraud is ever going to go away. Sarbanes-Oxley is not going to get rid of it. There's always going to be some aspect of, of fraud, whether it's from a large organization or from a, a small church where there's one person in the county department, they end up stealing from the church. There's always going to be fraud. There will always be divorces. There will always be disputes when we have partnerships because something goes, something tends to go awry in those. I guess my point is looking out into the future, 
and, and looking at your business, it is very sustainable because of the type of work that you're doing. And the bigger question on top of that is it's sustainable. And I don't believe technology as it's evolving will disrupt you. But I think the use of that technology could actually enhance your business and your business model. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah. And, you know, things have changed over the years. Um, and a lot of it, too, is driven by the client and the size of the client and how they're keeping their records. So, you know, I've used data mining software like ACL and IDEA over the years, but then we'll run into clients that don't use formal accounting software on the smaller side when you're doing an investigation. You know, so then they're giving you a QuickBooks or or another type of smaller package, if you will, to go through. Um, with the divorces, sometimes, um, you know, we're trying to find out the one spouse's um, economic income so that we can uh, determine spousal support and or child support. And a lot of times, you know, they don't have a full set of books, if you will, because it's spouse uses a Schedule C. So, you know, nobody's using QuickBooks. And so there could be a lot of keying of the bank statements to come up with what that is. Um, There's software out there now that can scan those bank statements and dump it in. And then it's just us categorizing it, if you will, putting it in the right buckets for court purposes. Um, You know, certain things may be deducted on the tax return, but there are not considered a true expense when we're coming back to the income for the spouse for court. So we're adding that back. And just to kind of give you an example, so you might have um, a husband that owns a business and him and his wife have two children. All four of the cell phone bills are being run through the business. So he deducts that as an expense tax return. But when I'm looking at that for divorce purposes, we're adding that back because if he was a tr- true employee at arm's length and he worked for me, I wouldn't be letting him run his entire family cell phone bill for the company. So those right. types of things would need to be scrutinized and uh, addressed appropriately for, for the court. Yeah, I can imagine when you're trying to, to find that information, one, it has evolved over time. And, and it, it makes me think of a company that's based out of, out of Canada. It's called MindBridge. And basically what they've developed is an artificial intelligence Watson type of platform where you dump the GL into this Watson, the, the, into their plat, the MindBridge artificial intelligence platform. And it immediately, within a matter of of minutes, will categorize the transactions in three ways. High risk, medium risk, low risk. And the high risk ones, from an audit perspective, those are the ones that those transactions are being immediately looked at and scrutinized to see if they're legit or not. And and thinking about your business and and trying to find this type of information, I would assume that type of technology would be of great assistance to you, even though you're not doing an audit, but you're trying to get find where the high risk types of transactions are in order to help you do your job. Yeah. And and the thing that would would be different is, you know, like looking at the cell phone bill. Well, it might be only employees for company A, but when I come back and look at company B, this guy or wife, you know, husband or wife, one of whoever the business owner is pushing more personal expenses, if you will, through, you know, so it's not a one platform fits all, if you will. Right. 
Okay. And, and I can imagine that you see a lot of that where, where the business owner and maybe a single member LLC or even a small partnership are, are trying to run their personal expenses through the business to get the tax deduction, but they're taking a huge risk in doing so because that corporate veil can be pierced. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I mean, the things I've seen over the years from the fraud investigations to the divorces are just, you know, make for really good stories, if you will. So I love stories. And so of all your time in this and what you do, what has been, and if you can, if you can, I understand. And if we can keep it, you know, kind of sanitize and not name any clients or anything like that. What is the craziest thing that you've seen? Well, this one wasn't something that I saw, but there was a divorce that I worked on and um, there was a child in it and the child's pet dog had died and it was the attorney bringing us up to speed. But rather than, than, you know, properly dispose of the animal, like, you know, taking it in and getting it cremated and have a nice little box with Fido's name on it. The parent put it in the freezer and they were pulling it out and letting the child see it on a daily basis and and give it a kiss on the nose. (laughs) Um, You know, that's not accounting related, but just some crazy things that I've seen over the years. And heard about you know working on these cases. Okay, I wasn't expecting that, but, <laughs> but that is. I, I asked. I asked the question, and I should be prepared for what I was going to hear. But that, yeah, that's that's creepy. That's um, yeah. I mean, like I had another one that the uh, business went into a receivership. I went with the receiver to go and pick up the accounting records as we're walking up. Door, we have the fire department come flying in, the police department come flying in, and it was my alleged suspect that had been accused of misappropriating records that we were going to get the records from. Uh, the individual had threatened to commit suicide and had dialed 911. So here comes everybody in, which of course postponed us being able to obtain the records that particular day. Um, and on that same case, there were days that we were scheduled to be in court and um, the individual wasn't present because it again threatened to commit suicide and was at the hospital. But I think what had really happened is they knew the brunt of what had occurred and that the hammer was going to be coming down sooner or later. And they just couldn't live with themselves as to what could happen, you know, whether that meant jail time, whether it just meant restitution. Right, yeah, and and thinking about the the human aspect of of a lot of what you do, there was a lot of emotion in, in uh, these types of cases. Outside of you know, we're trying to find those hidden beings, but there are people involved, and and sometimes people take different actions or, or process things differently, and you come up with against something like that, which is, you know, kind of difficult to, to some degree, get your mind around, but we kind of understand it's human nature and and that fear, but that's not what you kind of signed up for when you kind of went down this path initially. And it's something that you've had to necessize yourself with over time to not be so emotionally involved into things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you learn as you go, you know, you've got to kind of 
leave some of that at the office, if you will, when you go home at night to family and, you know, not let that impact your, your daily lives. I know I have two, two boys who are, uh, both are going to be teenagers here because my youngest is going to be a teenager. And um, I ask a lot of questions and, and follow through and validate and verify things. So if they're trying to get away with things, you know, before they graduate high school, it's going to be real difficult because mom doesn't trust anybody because of her job. (laughs) (laughs) All those poor boys. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. I wish now I wish I'd have gotten into forensic accounting. (laughs) Mine just just started college this week and I, 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 I'm a pretty good reader of body language, but I, he may have something over on me that I may I may need to, I may need to take a Chrissy Powers class in detecting <laughs> fraud out of your kids. <laughs> you might want to add that to be one of your services. <laughs> well, well, Chrissy, I, I'm I'm thrilled uh, about you going out on your own. I, I I love what you do. It's very fascinating. If somebody wants to, to find you or reach you, how can they find you? Um, my website is www.powersforensic.com. Um, my email is Chrissy spelled C H R I S S I E dot powers at powersforensic.com. Or if they just want to pick up the telephone, 614-745-5192. I would be happy to chat. And your office is located on Mound Street in downtown Columbus. That's correct. 150 East Mound. I'm just two blocks um, east of the Franklin County Courthouse. And I do have to ask one question before we we, we wrap up. Is all of your work sourced and, and done in basically Central Ohio and the Ohio area, or are you working on cases uh, throughout the country? Um, the majority of my cases are in Ohio. A lot of them in Columbus. Um, sometimes I've got stuff up in Lima, Cleveland, Cincinnati area. Um, and I've had cases over the years, uh, far reaching as Miami, Florida, and uh, West Virginia and Kentucky. I had the pleasure of traveling to Miami to, to get records on a case. And unfortunately, they complied and produced the records. Um, but if they wouldn't have complied, I would have gotten to go to the Dominican Republic, which was where their home office was sourced. So that particular one, I was a little bit bummed. I was hoping to get to travel. <laughs> so, you, destination. So, so you do work outside of the state of Ohio. And I guess with technology, the way it is, uh, you don't, a lot of times you don't have to physically be there to get the information. So if people are listening to this, because uh, the, the podcast is being downloaded in almost every state and actually and in about 35 to 36 countries. So that's why I wanted to bring that up, that if somebody outside the state of Ohio wanted to contact you, you have done business outside the state and, and they can contact you as well. Yeah, yeah. I know right now I have a d- divorce matter that's pending that's in Tennessee too, so... I'm I'm willing to travel and able to travel. So. Well, well, cool. Well, once again, uh, I will put the uh, your website, your email address, all that on on the podcast website for this episode. Uh, I appreciate your time. I, I, I wish you all the best luck, and, and I, I know you'll do great things. And and for those of you who are thinking about going, maybe curious about forensic accounting, uh, Chrissy did say she will be speaking again. 
uh, at conferences in 2020. Uh, and she does keep a calendar uh, of her speaking events. So if you visit her website and keep up to date with it uh, and look, maybe you'll attend one of her classes, tell her that you heard, heard her on this podcast and go watch her work. Uh, I've seen her present. She does a wonderful job. So once again, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks for having me, Pete. Now that you've listened to this episode, what will you do to find your passion or your niche? What steps will you begin to take to achieve that dream? What system of accountability will you use to ensure your success? Changing your current mindset to achieving those dreams is critical to that success. So thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend and make today your best day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.